distraction um, <laughs> this is also real life and maybe I need to chill out and not play my guitar so loud 
<laughs> All right, we're going to keep singing because he's faithful even in circumstances we don't desire or expect. Am I right? Yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, so I don't even know what string I lost here, but let's keep going. <laughs> Great is your faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. Count on one. 
same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes. Faithful 
midst of hurt and pain, you are faithful. Your promises remain forever and ever. promises. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for holding us in your hand. Lord, I, I'm grateful for the body of Christ. I'm grateful for the church. Thank you for allowing us to gather here today and be in your presence. 
there is joy here. <laughs> There's joy in your presence, Lord, even amidst hardship. Lord, we just, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. We ask that you um, would continue to make your comfort known, even in the midst of suffering. Lord, um, I pray that you'd be with us the rest of this service, that we would continue to turn our hearts and our minds towards you and be open to the way that you would like to move. For we love you, and we praise you, and we give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray this. Amen. You ever been disappointed? You ever really been disappointed? Uh, I, I mentioned that uh, two weeks ago we were in Disney, and it's one of my favorite things. I know this sounds really, really sick, but one of my favorite things to see at Disney is a kid in a stroller crying. I, I don't know why it is. It just cracks me up every time I see it. You have a kid that's sitting in a stroller, and, and they're crying uncontrollably or throwing a fit, and I'm thinking there's all these food, there's all these characters, there's parades, there's fireworks, there's shows, there's anything that a kid would want, and yet somehow they're still disappointed in that place. We can be like that in life. We can be disappointed when we really have no reason to be disappointed. We can be like the person that I remember, they were playing church softball, and somebody in the, the crowd said, well, he would complain about not having anything to complain about. Look at your neighbor and see, or is, is that them, you know? You know, just liking to complain. But disappointment isn't only just fake or, or when we just don't get exactly what we want. Disappointment in life can be real. It's, it's not imagined, and it's not because of unreasonable expectations. Oftentimes in life, uh, we can have disappointment, and life can be full of disappointment. Uh, unfulfilled expectations. Um, jobs. You, you, get, you get hired for a job, and it's, it's supposed to be one thing, and then you begin working in the job, and it, it's not even close to what was described to you, and, and the relationships there are, are not good. Just relationships, friendships. Uh, you ever had a friendship that just disappointed you, that, that you didn't meet expectations, that something happened. Marriages. Uh, all of us have relationships that have failed, and they've been the result of unfulfilled expectations. Church. You know, church can sometimes be a place of unfulfilled expectations. And my mom told me early on, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you're not perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Mom, for building my ego. Uh, but, but that's the truth. There's no such thing as a perfect church, and there's no such thing as a perfect pastor. There's no such thing as a perfect Sunday school class. Nothing's perfect, folks. And, and oftentimes, sometimes in a church particularly, when our expectations aren't met, we have this disappointment. You ever been disappointed with God? Unfulfilled expectations with God. I know we're not supposed to say that or think that, but the reality is many of you live with that thought that things have not been quite what you expected even after you began serving God. And, and so there's this, this realization that there sometimes can be unfulfilled expectations in our hearts and our minds with God. You know, the last two years is, has been a year, a couple years, where, where, where for some folks it's been like that. We, we, we dealt with COVID, and, and then we dealt with all the racial strife, and, and then we deal with war in Ukraine, and, and then this past week, this awful, terrible, 
shooting in Texas. It's awful. And sometimes, folks, maybe you never feel like this, but sometimes in my mind I think, God, isn't there more that, can, that you could be doing? Isn't there something, some way you could be moving in this circumstance? And I think if we were all honest over the last two years and the disappointments, all of us have at time to time have thought like that. See, sometimes we put our eyes on circumstances. And when our eyes are on the circumstances, that creates the problem. In the Bible, nowhere could I find, does God say, keep your eyes on circumstances. <laughs> he doesn't say that. God says, keep your eyes on me. Um, sometimes we begin to equate circumstances with blessings. And sometimes we do it this way, that when I get what I want, that equals God's blessing. So when the job's right, when my marriage is right, when my kids are right, when the finances are right, when my health is right, when everything is going according to my plan, then God is blessing me. And then conversely, we take that and we say, well, Okay, yeah, so, so circumstances, it's, it's in these circumstances, but, but God uses these circumstances, and, and even in bad circumstances, God's doing something. God's causing these circumstances, and in these circumstances, God's trying to build a better me. And once again, it's all revolving around the circumstances. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that over the last two weeks, this ideal of equating circumstances with the ideal that God's doing something or God's giving something or God's taking something. And I struggle with that a bit. I think it's better just to say that there are bad circumstances in life and God does not necessarily cause them all. There's good circumstances in life and God does not necessarily cause them all. When we focus on circumstances, we focus on the wrong thing. See, God's blessing is centered on God's presence, not on our circumstances. And God would say, take your eyes off the circumstances and stop trying to determine whether I'm blessing you or I'm trying to grow you. But why don't you just focus on me? Because that's what I'm calling you to focus on. Today, we're going to talk about unfulfilled expectations, unfulfilled circumstances. And, and we're going to look at two people. It's a story of two people, Judas and Peter. But both Judas and Peter are in the inner circle. I mean, these are, you know, you, you, it, we don't usually think of Judas in the inner circle, but Judas was the keeper of the money. You don't give money to people you don't trust. So Jesus must have trusted Judas, the disciples must have trusted Judas, even though he failed them, and he was part of this inner circle. And Judas betrays Jesus. We, we know the story. He betrays Jesus. He sells him out for 30 pieces of silver and then leads the soldiers to Jesus and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And the question is, why did, why did Judas do this? And theologians have expressed basically four theories, and, and the scripture kind of supports all four theories. Uh, well, one is Judas didn't betray Jesus. 
And this is a more modern, I don't know if scripture supports this as much, but Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And, and there's some that suggest that, that there were discussions going on with the Jewish leaders that Jesus was aware of. And it wasn't Judas that betrayed Jesus. It was the Jewish leaders that betrayed Judas and Jesus. So some suggest that what Judas was trying to do was trying to force Jesus to rise up to, to, to his Messiah title. And, and so when he was betraying him, he didn't think it would end in a crucifixion. Instead, he thought that Jesus was going to rise up and be who he was called to be. In the Bible, it just simply says Satan entered him. You know, after everything, it was so foreign. Did you realize... What the scripture writers are doing when, when the disciples are talking about this, this was so foreign to Judas that the only explanation they could give is Satan entered him. That wasn't the Judas that I knew and laughed with and ate with and lived with and walked with and trusted. That wasn't the Judas that I knew. Satan had to enter him. Some suggest he was never a follower. That he was always in it for, for the publicity and the money, <laughs> liking, carrying the money, and, and there's some indication that he'd been stealing from the collections for, for many years. My take, Jesus was not what he expected. That, that when he signed on to this ideal of a Messiah, Judas had in his mind power and prestige and position and influence and money, and none of these things happened. And at the end of three years, all he was hearing about was a cross and suffering, and it was not what he signed on for. Unfulfilled expectations. So Matthew 27, 1 through 5 says, Now when the morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed and went away and hanged himself. <laughs> Unfulfilled expectation, expectations can be a dead thing. And we see this in the life of Judas. Peter, once again, a member of the inner circle, once again, someone that Jesus trusted, the disciples trusted, um, someone that had followed Jesus for three years, had given up everything to follow Jesus, and yet Peter, once again, is someone who betrays or denies Jesus. It begins in that, as they're going toward Jerusalem, and this great confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, Peter says that, and Jesus pats him on the back, and then Jesus begins to talk about crucifixion, and, and, and Peter pulls him aside. He has that kind of relationship with Jesus that he can pull him to the side and begin to correct him and give him a correct understanding of his future. That's <laughs> where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of you. You have your expectations, and God has something else in mind. 
We find Peter at the, the, the Last Supper and, and Jesus is talking about being denied and, and Peter saying, I will never deny you. I'll die with you. And Jesus says, before the cock crows three time, two times, you're going to deny me three times. Binding, cutting off the high priest's servant ear in the garden. He's still fighting for Jesus when he's being arrested. And then we find him in another, another courtyard and he's betraying Jesus by denying him. Even after the resurrection, it's an interesting thing. Jesus has shown up on the scene. Peter has seen him twice. And yet after the resurrection, we have this story in John 21 where Peter says, you know, I'm going fishing. <laughs> in other words, what have I signed on to? Why, why am I doing this? Why, why am I still focused on Jesus? I don't understand any of this. This is not what I expected. And then Jesus shows up once again in John 21. Remember the, the evangelist Chuck Milhoff? Anybody remember Chuck Milhoff? Nobody here remembers Chuck? Chuck would preach, and he had a, a, a sermon that I loved. It was called The Gospel of Judas. <laughs> and the sermon, the, the, the theory or the ideal behind uh, the, the, the gospel of Judas and, and that, that sermon was, what if Judas would have just waited? What, what if he would have waited to allow Jesus to restore him instead of hanging himself? And I guess as I, as I think about this, I think about Peter and, and, and Jesus coming to him, I would say this to you. Maybe you're in one of those times of struggle. Maybe, maybe you're full of unfulfilled expectations. Maybe there's disappointment in your life. Give Jesus time to show up. Just wait another day. Just keep waiting because I, I, I believe in all my heart that Jesus will eventually show up and show you the plan. In John 21, it says, So when they had finished breakfast, this is that they've, they've been fishing, Jesus calls them in, he fixes breakfast for them. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? They said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he had said, signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me.
Therefore, the saying went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know that this testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I would suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. But John ends with this account that in your Bible, if it's got a heading, it probably says the restoration of Peter. And he's being restored as a disciple. And as we move through the book of Acts, we see this further in detail, how Peter is brought back into the fold. And there's so many elements of this story that's fascinating. This ideal that Jesus asked him three times, and he's, three times he's clearly bringing him back to the betrayal in the garden. There's, there's only one other time this, this phrase for fiery is used, and it's in, in the garden where Peter has betrayed and denied Jesus previously. And so this, the scene, the smell, it's all the same. And he's bringing Peter back to this place of denial. It's interesting, Jesus says, do you love me? And we have love translated here, but, but the first two times Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you, do you love me like I love you, Peter? And, and both times Peter says, you know I love you like a brother. <laughs> now we don't know exactly what Jesus said because Jesus is spoke, speaking in Aramaic. He's not speaking in Greek, but, but the, the, the writer has given some sort of distinction between the way Jesus is phrasing Love, and Peter's responding. The final time, Jesus says, do you even love me like a brother? <laughs> and so we find in this story all these fascinating elements. But I think in this story, we see uh, an answer to the question, how do we let go of unfulfilled expectations? And so here's Peter, and there's these unfulfilled expectations in, in the life of Jesus. And he's given up everything to follow this guy. And it's not exactly what he thought it would be. And so in this story, I, I believe that you see some answers for us. The first is this, seek God, not simply blessed circumstances. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with family and friends and jobs and money and houses and cars and and health, all these things are good things. Amen? Nothing wrong with these things. But God is more than these things. That, that, that if God were to take all these things away, God would still be God and worthy of praise. And so there's nothing wrong with, with being happy, with, with good circumstances and good fortune, that God's blessing is bigger than the circumstances you find yourself in. God's blessing is bigger than the good fortune that you might be experiencing. And Jesus is saying, to Peter, can you take your eyes off the circumstances just for a moment? And can you just love me? Can, can you let go of all these things that surround our relationship, whether you have power and prestige and money, whether things are going according to plan, and can you just love me? Be satisfied with the relationship you have with me. The second thing is this, serve others. He tells him, uh, 
Peter, I, I want you to feed my sheep. Instead of focusing on what's not going right, I want you to focus on the mission that I've given you. In our church, there's so many ways that you can get involved in serving others. There's a blessing box in the back of the, sanctu- back of the church, behind the gym, that, that you can be blessing others through. There, there, there's, there, there's the single mother ministries. There's helping at the Hope Center. There's the helping at the food pantries. There's the Friday nights uptown. And, and all of these things, and, and maybe I've not said this clear, about, clear enough over the years, all of these things are not about growing the church. It's about growing you and me. <laughs> That we don't do these things to draw people in. We do these things because God is trying to do something new in us. And so in these things, when, when, when we, we serve others, we're forced to move beyond our own desires, our own self, our own expectations. We're forced to move beyond ourself and begin to see others. The third thing is this, let go of controlling your circumstances. Um, he says, Jesus says, when others, when, you're young, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself. So I guess when he put his girdle in, I guess, right? I don't know, gird means dress, right? And so when you were younger, you used to dress yourself, take care of yourself. When you get older, Peter, guess what? You're not even going to be able to control that. So Jesus is very clearly saying to him, Peter, you're not going to control your circumstances your whole life. Who in here has lived long enough to realize you can't control all your circumstances? Give me a hearty amen, right? You need to let go of that. I'm not suggesting that, that we don't control what we can control. I'm not saying that we just go through life with this lazy, fair attitude where just whatever happens, happens. What is it? Que sera, sera. Whatever may be, may be. Who's saying that? I'll give you 10 cents after the service if you can tell me who that is. Well, I really don't have a dime, man. I, I tell you, I know how to get a reaction from you. I'll give you a dime. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not suggesting that we live with that kind of attitude, but there is this point where we cannot control every circumstance that happens in life. And Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, you know, there's going to come a point in your life where you're not even going to be able to control dressing yourself. So so can you just let go of having control? Stop comparing yourself to others. You probably should have put this first, because what's Peter's first response when Jesus says all these things to him? Peter turns around and looks at John and goes, well, what about John? You know, folks, if we want to mature in our faith, if we want to grow in our faith, if we want to get past unfulfilled expectations, we must move past comparing ourselves with others constantly. Let me ask you, are you dealing with unfulfilled expectation? (laughs) I would venture to guess that everyone in this room, including this pastor, there's unfulfilled expectations in my life. And I have, we, we, it's not that we ignore it, We don't just push it down, but we need to understand what is going on, what the thought process is. Are there unfulfilled um, expectations in your life? Are are, are you still waiting? It's okay to be waiting. You know, Peter had to wait for Jesus to resolve some of this. Let me ask you, what are you seeking most? 
God or changed circumstances? Maybe, maybe put it like this. What are you seeking most, God or blessing? You know, are, are, you, are you wanting the blessing but not God? The, the truth is, in the American church, um, many people would be satisfied with the blessing without God. And, and the truth is that oftentimes we have experienced the blessing without God. What are you seeking most? Are you serving in, in my ministry, when I've had people come into my office with unfulfilled expectations, and, and most of the time when people come into my office for counseling, there is a little bit of unfulfilled expectations or something's not going according to plan. Almost every time the first advice I have given to them is find some place to serve. Are you serving? And I'm not suggesting, and see, oftentimes we wait till we feel like serving before we begin serving. Serving is something that can help us control our feelings, folks. And so I advise you, find a place to serve. Do you still have to have control? I mean, is it still just so important that you control your circumstance? Are you comparing yourself with others? Is there somebody in your life that you're constantly comparing their circumstances with your circumstances? The great prophet Mark Twain said, comparison is the death of joy. And in our society, I believe that's true, that, that oftentimes we kill our joy simply by comparing our circumstances with those around us. Has unfulfilled expectations killed your joy? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I want to give you just a little bit of space. It's three minutes till 10, so we're going to give you some space. Our altars are always available uh, if you want to come and, and meet with God here. And uh, just give you a couple minutes, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, help us to keep our eyes on you, not our circumstances. Lord, may we... Um, Understand that the blessing of God is not tied to the circumstances of life. Cars we drive, the house we live in, the relationships we experience. But the blessing of God is his presence. You are the God who sees me, who hears me. You are the God who knows my name. My name is written on the palms of your hand. Before I drew a breath, you loved me. And my name, my path is ordered before you. Lord, may we see the blessing of the God that loves us so much that he would send his own son to die in our place. Jesus told us, in this world we will have trouble and he didn't lie. There's trouble. We have expectations that are not met. And Lord, sometimes we allow it to kill our joy, to keep us from serving. We begin to withdraw from other people, and, and Lord, it's the wrong direction. Lord, we deal with anger, bitterness, 
Lord, may we confess these things, acknowledge these things. May may we have a level of self-awareness that allows us not just to um, experience pretend Christianity, but Lord, to work out our faith with a measure of fear and trembling, honesty and vulnerability with you and others. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your presence. I sense you right now. You are in this place. And Lord, these disappointments that we face, you understand. That the Bible tells us that Jesus came and lived and was tempted in every way that we were. And so, Lord, that means we have an advocate that stands before the throne that that can explain to the Father exactly what we're feeling, what we're going through. Lord, help us to rest in that. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes firmly fixed on you and allow you to finish the work that you have in mind for us. Lord, bless this church. Use this church. May this church be a blessing to its community, not because of the things that it does, the things that it gives, but may it be a blessing to this community because it symbolizes the very presence of Jesus Christ, living and breathing in Marysville, Ohio. Now be with us as we go from this place. May we continue to seek you. May we continue to love one another. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, you are dismissed.